Before we begin our Torah study this evening, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. I want to talk to you about being faithful in adversity. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were faithful in adversity. The prophets of Israel were faithful in adversity. Yeshua and the apostles were faithful in adversity. And this week's Torah portion helps us understand the value, the power, and the blessings that come to us as we're faithful in adversity. Jacob went out. That's how this week's Torah portion begins in Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. It's useful to look back a few verses to see the circumstances that Jacob was facing. His father, Isaac, was about to die. His brother, Esau, was about to kill Jacob. Boy, that is a lot of family trouble and sorrow, isn't it? There's a lot to con- of conflict and hostility in that family. And some serious questions, including who will carry forth the spiritual leadership in the family? Rebecca knows the answer because of what the Lord had revealed to her during the days of her difficult pregnancy. Rebecca had twins, and Sandy today remarked to me that these twins were fraternal. They weren't identical. You'll remember details now of how they look different. The older would serve the younger the Lord had told Rebecca, and she knew that. And it only seems that near the end of his life that Isaac could accept that as well. Isaac told Esau this, and Esau reacted and actually couldn't stand it. We read in Genesis 27 verses 41 and 42 from, from last week. So Esau hated Jacob, or one translator says, cherished animosity. He had animosity and antagonism in his heart, and he let that take a privileged place in his heart. He nurtured it. So you could read this um, this way. So Esau cherished animosity against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed Jacob. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are coming soon. After my father's death, I will kill my brother Jacob. Verse 42, now when the words of her elder son Esau were reported to Rebekah, she sent word and called her younger son Jacob and said to him, behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself about you by planning to kill you. And so Rebekah tells Jacob to go to her brother Laban in Haran and stay there. Maybe she hoped out of sight, out of mind, you know how that can work. And she certainly thought that this would give time for Esau's anger to cool down. And she said as much to her son, to her father, I'm sorry, to her husband, Isaac. Ah, Isaac agrees and tells Jacob to go to Laban and find a wife 
from among Laban's daughters. And then Isaac blesses Jacob in a very direct way, in a way that shows that Jacob will lead the family forward in the covenant that God had made with Abraham. So listen to the words of Isaac as he blesses Jacob, as they're recorded in Genesis 28, verses 3 and 4, also from last week, but good context for what we're studying this week. This is what Jacob said, or what Jacob heard from his father, Isaac. Isaac said, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you so that you may become a company of peoples. And may he give the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants so that you may possess the land where you dwell as a foreigner, the land God gave Abraham. Now, at this moment, Isaac understands what he is doing. He's blessing the younger son, Jacob. He's giving him the blessing normally given to the firstborn. Isaac values that blessing, and he values the legacy and the inheritance that he had received from Abraham. He honored Abraham in this way, in the Lord's covenant as well. And he's reaching back one generation to Abraham's generation. And then he reaches forward to the next generation and establishes continuity between Abraham and Jacob. And then he reaches into the future beyond and includes Jacob's descendants, those who have not yet been born. It's a an amazing connection between generations that's being proclaimed and certified by Isaac himself. And what a joy it must have been to know that the family covenant will continue. But then remember from our study last week, remember that many blessings are accompanied by spiritual battles. And your heart for God, your willingness to keep seeking his face, and your determination to follow him, all three of these will grow strong in the face of these battles. The battles, in fact, build heart. The battles build willingness. The battles build determination. The battles build the heart, the willingness, the determination. In ancient Hebrew, the words for righteousness and righteous one, tzedakah and tzaddik, they're formed from the same root. They were associated with adversity and challenge of a special kind. The righteous one had faced a challenge that required trusting God and remaining faithful to God. The righteous one went through that challenge and experienced their victory because they trusted God and remained faithful. So faith and faithfulness were working together and secured a righteous victory. Trusting God and being trustworthy work together. Being faithful in adversity, that's part of the life of faith, my friends. Our faithfulness, our faith, our strength of heart are built up during adversity and battle. God reveals his faithfulness to us when we are trusting him and showing our trust by being faithful in adversity. It's not that we earn God's blessing. It's that we receive God's blessing this way. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 2 expresses the way it all works in a particularly insightful way. It speaks about how the blessings of God are in pursuit of you. Let me read to you. 
all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you when you obey the voice of the Lord your God. They'll come upon you. They'll overtake you. They'll chase you down. They'll reach to you. They will find you. That's what the Hebrew is saying. And many translations say, if you obey, but the, but the Hebrew uses the word key, which I think in this case is better translated when or because. Um, so because you listen to, because you attend to, or another way of saying is this, when you listen to, when you attend to the words, when you heed and hearken, because the, the Hebrew word is tishma, and it's from the root that includes shema, which is to give ear to something and to put it into practice when you take to heart and heed and hearken to us to it. It's, it's the same idea that Yeshua had expressed when he said what building on the rock is. It's hearing his words and putting them into practice. It's listening to the teaching and then doing it. One translator comments, it's to give ear to a teaching or a teacher. So the English word if doesn't quite capture the idea, maybe better when, because God intends to bless. That's his intention. He's sending blessings and they catch up with us. That's what Deuteronomy 28 is saying, when we're doing what he says. Now, with that in mind, think again about Isaac and Rebekah, Esau and Jacob. Think about the situation and all that family trouble. Isaac blessed Jacob once without fully understanding what he was doing. And then Isaac blessed Jacob indirectly a second time by telling Esau that Esau would need to serve Jacob. And then Isaac blessed Jacob. This was a third time, but it was direct. He directly spoke words of blessing over Jacob, and he was fully understanding what he was doing. So you can see for yourself how Isaac was faithful in adversity, his clarity, his heart for God, his determination, his resolve were strengthened during the times of adversity. Unstoppable tenacity was in him. And so Jacob heads out and he's being faithful. He's honoring his father's word. He's acting within the parameters he had been given. And you know what he needs? Jacob needs a good night's sleep. You can understand that. But he gets something more than that, more than he could ask or imagine. Let's read about it in Genesis 28, verses 10 through 16, from this week's Torah portion. So Jacob went out from Beersheba and he traveled toward Haran. He came to a certain place. He stayed the night there because the sun had set. He took a stone from the place, put it under his head and lay down there to sleep. One translator, uh, Adler, says he didn't put it under his head. He put it next to his head. It was a big stone and it was like a protective boundary. And Adler takes notice that this type of stone um, 
that's mentioned here, you'll see a little bit more about it in a few moments. The stone um, was quite heavy and it took extraordinary strength to deal with it. So it tells us that Jacob was actually physically strong. I think it's an interesting idea. So Jacob took the stone from the place, put it under his head or next to his head, depending on how you understand it. And he lay down there to sleep. Verse 12, he dreamt that there before him was a ladder resting on the ground with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of Adonai were going up and down on it. And then suddenly Adonai was standing there next to Jacob. And he said, I am Adonai, the God of Abraham, your father, actually your grandfather, but you can see the close connection, and the God of Yitzchak, Isaac, the land on which you're lying, I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the grains of dust on the earth. You will expand to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south by you and your descendants all the families of the earth will be blessed. So something's happening at this moment. Jacob is being included in the promise. The Lord is saying, I'm including you in the promise that I made to your father. I'm including you in the promise I made to your grandfather. And now I'm promising you personally and directly everything your father Isaac spoke in his blessing, the Lord confirmed directly at this moment. It's as if the Lord is saying to Jacob, it's not only your father who sees this, I am including you in my covenantal plan for the world. All the families, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you and through your descendants. And remember this, the Lord speaking about the descendants of Jacob in such a way that's, that's amazing because Jacob's not even married yet. He doesn't have any children yet, but he's encountering the God who calls things that are not as though they were, the God who promises and then fulfills. And Jacob believes God when the Lord says in verse 15, behold, I am with you. I will watch over you, and I will protect you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back into this land because I won't leave you until I have done everything that I've promised you. These are three very personal promises that the Lord makes to Jacob. One, God's personal presence. What a promise that is and what a blessing it is that God will be with him. And then God's protection, God, God's protection everywhere. That's good news. Um, it, it's good news to know that God will provide protection, but it also means that Jacob will face some adverse situations, some hostility, some antagonism. He's going to need protection. And then there's a promise from God that he will bring Jacob back to this land. And recognize this, folks, it's in Jacob's heart to come back to the land. He's still honoring his father Isaac, even though he's going out, he's going out 
in obedience. He's going out with honor and with continuity and respect. And he's still honoring his grandfather, Abraham. He's not breaking covenant with them or with God. That's very important. Jacob has been sent out by the Lord, by Isaac, by Rebekah. He's not just going out on his own. He's going out in obedience as a son with the intention of being faithful and coming back to fulfill and to bring into fullness the family covenant that God has made with his father, with his grandfather, and that he wants to make with the children of Jacob to be the tribes of Israel and ultimately the Jewish people. So this is this is an expression of continuity and commitment and honor. Verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, truly Adonai is in this place and I did not know it. Remember that all this took place during a dream. How do we know that? Because it tells us that Jacob just woke up. And earlier it said that the Lord appeared while he was sleeping. But think about this. It was all congruent with other appearances of the Lord that were not when people were dreaming. Though this was a dream, it was not the subconscious process of Jacob's mind working out his thoughts and feelings. You know, dreams have powerful, uh, important significance and function for our thought processes and for the way our synapses work and our memory works as well as the way our body renews itself during sleep. But this was not the primary process of uh, Jacob's subconscious mind at work. It was an encounter with the Lord at the Lord's initiative. And though it was a dream, it included physical details. The land was, the Lord was standing next to Jacob at a specific place next to the ladder. It's very concrete in physical detail. This place, the land where you're lying, as well, when Jacob awakens, he exclaims, the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. The Lord is here, right here. In, in fact, it reminds me of something that, that Martin Buber wrote about and some others have commented on, that it may be that the original pronunciation of, of God's precious name, yod Hey vav Hey, as we write it, or Hashem, as we respectfully um, speak about that name uh, these days, that that word, that name may have been pronounced sort of like Yahoo or Yao, and that it had a meaning like the Lord is here. It was like a, an exclamation and uh, a name like Benjamin Netanyahu, which contains uh, the, the, the name of God at the end and is pronounced that way, may uh, have like a relic of that pronunciation and that meaning. But in any case, when Jacob uh, wakes up, he says, the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. The Lord is here. The Lord is right here. That's what he's saying. So think about this. The blessings that God promised to Jacob had two dimensions, spiritual 
and material. The ladder between heaven and earth, with God standing next to Jacob on the earth, this is a, an expression that God is the God of heaven and also the God of earth. It conveys the idea that there is actually one world with both spiritual and material dimensions and aspects. And this one world with the spiritual and the material exists simultaneously. And it conveys the idea that this world with those different uh, dimensions is a united world, that both aspects, the spiritual and the material, are important to God and thus important to us. And also, it tells us something about, about God, that he can be present locally and still be present everywhere, that he can be present in a place, and also he can be omnipresent everywhere else in his creation, and he can still be present in the realm outside of the physical and material and created universe, and the realm of eternity, of timelessness. The God of heaven is the God of earth. And Jacob's response, I think, indicates that he sees the connection. Let's read on. Genesis 28, verses 20 through 22. And then Jacob made a vow or a promise or an oath, and he said, if God will be with me, and will keep me on this journey that I take, and will give me food to eat, and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I've set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Now, I want to look at the language here, because there's there's something about this that that I think maybe not uh, that needs some clarification in the English because I think that if may not be the best choice in English to really capture the tone of what Jacob is saying, and I think it may be better to translate it like this: since since God will be with me or. Um, when God is with me, or because God is with me, or in light of the fact that God is with me, in light of the fact that God will be with me, and he'll, he will keep me, and he will give me food, etc. In light of that fact, I will give a tenth for sure of all that you give me. I will return it to you as a tithe in an act of worship. So the Hebrew here is, is a specific word, im, which can express a decision or a term that is conditional. But in this case, I think it's better, to, I think it really captures the tone better to translate it since or when. Because if sounds like an expression of doubt, or uncertainty. And in fact, I believe that Jacob is speaking from his faith, from his trust in God, not from his doubt. And also, when we use if 
to translate it, it sounds like Jacob is making some kind of bargain with God about the future. If you'll do this, then I'll do something. And I actually think that this is an expression of Jacob's faith and his commitment, that that faithful in adversity that's who he knows God is. And faithful in adversity, that's who Jacob is. And that's who he will be. Faithful in adversity, that's who Yeshua was. Faithful in adversity, that's who you and I can be. Jacob was filled with awe. That's why he was uh, so expressive to the Lord. He was filled with awe, which can be translated the fear of the Lord, or you could say it's reverence for God. He is deeply touched by the promises that God made to him personally and the promises that um, God has included Jacob in. Jacob responds with his own promise, with a vow, since God, you will be with me, then you truly will be my God, and all that you give me, I'll surely give a tenth to you. So there's a spiritual side, you'll be my God, and there's a material side, all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. The Hebrew says it in a classic Hebrew way, I will give a tenth by tithing a tenth. God and Jacob together are expressing loyalty and trust. It's mutual. It's reciprocal. It shows that that we can be made in the image of God and we can say yes to God in so many ways. How awesome it is that we get to participate in this life of faith. And yet we know we're called to be faithful in adversity, and we can because we also have unstoppable tenacity. That is the legacy that has been given to us. That's the legacy that we want to embrace and honor. And that is the legacy that we want to pass on. So we pray, O God, who is faithful and who calls us to be faithful, who keeps faith with us, and we want to keep faith with you. Lord, we want to have the strength of heart like Jacob did. We want to have unstoppable tenacity like Isaac did. We want to believe you and not waver in your promises like Abraham did. And in this way, Lord, we want to experience all the blessings that you're sending our way that can come to us and overtake us and reach us fully. And we pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. In a moment, we'll close with Aaron's blessing and a final worship song. But first, would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. And I want to encourage you, if end of year giving is part of your tradition, I want to encourage you to consider including Beth Israel in your end of year giving. And now Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ya'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichudecha, Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasemlecha. Shalom. May the Lord bless you, and may he keep you, guard and protect you. May he cause the light of his face to shine upon you 
and be gracious to you. May he lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. And we can all say amen.